0: Let's talk about Jussie Smollett. He was a, uh, a black gay man who was attacked for being black and gay until it looks like he really wasn't attacked at all. We posted about it on Forefront Social Media. Anybody follow us on Forefront Social Media? Yeah, yeah some? You can follow us. We're good. I like, I like what we do. <clears throat> this is what we said. So the second that we decide the LGBTQIA community is less worthy of God's love is the second that people become emboldened to commit acts of hate. The violent hate crime against Jesse Smollett is a symptom of that heresy, and it doesn't stop with him. According to the latest FBI stats, 1,249 human beings made in the image of God were attacked because of their orientation or gender identity. And that's why Forefront will continue to say that all LGBTQIA lives are made perfectly in the image of God. And that's why we'll continue to preach the good news that God's love is for all creation and it knows no bounds. And then I did a bunch of hashtags. And then we were wrong, or I think we were wrong. And, uh, and so a couple of people posted on our page, and they said, hey, you were wrong. And then a couple of people emailed me, and they said, hey, you were wrong. And then uh, on social media, uh, uh, I follow a bunch of people. And a bunch of people were like, Jussie Smollett was wrong. And, and what I think happened is I think people took a lot, of, um, a lot of satisfaction in the fact that he was wrong. And they took a lot of satisfaction in that idea. Um, uh, They took a lot of satisfaction because what what we stopped to do is we stopped to see Justice Smollett as a young man and and really a young man who might be a little bit troubled to where he would make such accusations, right? And we stopped seeing him as as a person. What we started to see him as was maybe a talking point or a dividing line or a caricature, a political statement or a stand. That's what we did. And so I saw that people were satisfied by the fact that he had messed things up and, frankly, in some ways, hurt his life, destroyed his life. Right? As an aside, forefront, every single time, we will always believe the victim. Every single time. Anybody in the LGBTQIA community that says they've been hurt, oppressed, or have been a victim, we will believe you every single time. Anybody who is a person of color who says they've been hurt or oppressed will believe you every single time. Anybody else who says they are a victim will believe you every single time because, aside from Justice Smollett, there's still 1,248 people who are victims of hate crime, and we want to make sure that we always err on the side of belief. But that happened. A couple of years ago, there's a woman named Kim Davis. Y'all know Kim Davis? Anybody hear of her? Tim Davis. She uh, is from Carter County, Kentucky. That's where my dad grew up, Carter County, Kentucky. Uh, my grandparents ministered in Carter County, Kentucky for 25 years. And uh, <laughs> I just heard Chris say something about Kentucky. Yes, Chris, indeed. And, um, <laughs> and uh, she wouldn't give licenses to same-sex couples. That's what would happen. She was a county clerk, wouldn't do that. And, uh, and there, there was this big to-do, You know, again. There was dividing lines in religious freedoms. And on my own personal social media pages, I ended up saying stuff, and people wrote back to me, and they said things like, well, you're a bad pastor, and you're going to hell. And I wrote back, like, well, I'm, I love you, and I'm praying for you, because I'm a better person than they are. Um, <laughs> and, and I wrote that. And, and, and then uh, it turned out that, that uh, Kim Davis, she lost the re-election um, for county clerk in Carter County, Kentucky. And I was, I was pretty happy about that. But it also means that she has to pay back $225,000 uh, as, a, as a, a penance for that. Now listen, she should have to pay that back. There's consequences to our actions, just like there's consequences to Jesse Smollett's actions. But I got to tell you, I took a ton of satisfaction in the fact that her life is ruined. And make no mistake, uh, what we think about $225,000 is a lot different than people in Carter County, Kentucky, which is one of the poorest counties in all of America. Okay, It is ruined. And I took a ton of satisfaction in the fact that her life is now ruined because she made a mistake. Because she's no longer a human being made in the image of God. What she's become is a caricature or a talking point or a dividing line or whatever we want to call it. Human beings. We're an interesting group of people. There's a biologist named E.O. Wilson who studied species that, that work in tribes. Okay, there's 12 species that work in tribes. We as human beings are one of the 12. There's also bees and ants. So we have a lot in common with bees and ants. Um, And here's the thing about species that work in tribes. Every single one of the species that work in tribes, when there is a threat to the tribe's livelihood, every single time, they will band together and they will fight the enemy that is a threat to their livelihood every single time. Now, here's what else E.O. Wilson figured out. He said that all of these species that operate in tribes, when they're is no enemy they will live harmoniously every single species that operate in tribes when they when they when there is no enemy will live harmoniously except for one bees I'm kidding no 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 it's not bees what's the one humans we're the only species in the whole animal kingdom that will create enemies where there are none and call them a perceived threat against our livelihood. We're the only species that does that. I just took five and a half minutes to tell you that we're divided. And we're at a time in our lives where it's kind of precarious in the way we are divided, right? And so what we do is we create these little mini-tribes. We have microcosms, especially with the access we have to media. So we have Fox versus CNN. And we have um, pro-birth versus pro-choice. We have the Green Book versus good movies. We have uh, (laughs) the Mets versus the Yankees, you know? So these are the things that we have, right? That we create these divisions and they're there and, and, and never more in our history have we been more divided than we are now because it's part of our biological makeup we are trained, we are evolved to create enemies where there is our none that's what we're called to do so uh, I'm a pastor and I preach and so I was like, you know what let me take a look at what Jesus says about this division there's got to be something there and, um, and so I read Matthew 10 if you all want to turn to Matthew 10 you're more than welcome to do so and Matthew 10 uh, says this. Uh, Matthew 10, 34 through 36. says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Thanks a lot, Jesus. That's not helpful. Am I right? Not helpful at all. But at this church, at Forefront, what we say is we take the Bible so seriously we can't always take it literally. And so the first thing we need to do is we need to look at Jesus saying, I've come to bring a sword, right? If you have that crazy friend who tells you that Jesus is for violence because Jesus says he comes to bring a sword and not peace, tell your friend to stop it. Just say no. And then walk away from your friend. Take a moment to breathe. Because your friend is just trying to use uh, Scripture out of context to prove their own point for their own needs. This has zero to do with Jesus being violent. So let's look at the culture and context behind it. And one of the ways we can practice context and culture is by going through the rest of the passage. Because when we go through the rest of the chapter, we're going to find out who Jesus was talking to, uh, who he was with. Uh, The people he's talking to is always incredibly important. And in this case, we jump all the way back to, uh, to Matthew uh, uh, chapter 10, verses 1, and this is what it says. Jesus called his 12 disciples uh, to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, a few weeks ago I preached, and a few weeks ago I said, when Jesus talks about the disciples, it's usually more than just the disciples. There's usually other people there. Who is here? Raise your hand when I talked about Joanna and Mary Magdalene being here. Okay, a few of you. All right, and I talked to you about how what an odd pairing that was, right? I compared Mary Magdalene to like a Stormy Daniels character, uh, fierce and smart, but but maybe has a little bit of a reputation. And I talked about um, Joanna being a bit of a um, Brian Sanders, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders' husband, because that's who she was in those days. She was the spouse to the person who was the right-hand uh, man of the king. Okay, odd, right? That they would be together. And then I talked about how there were fishermen and tax collectors and and jihadists and zealots and all the rest. And so if I was going to reinterpret this passage, if I was going to rewrite it for today's time, this is how this passage would sound. It would say, Jesus called out the 12. Bernie Madoff, who fleeced his friends out of hundreds of millions of dollars. A bunch of fishermen wearing MAGA hats members of the Black Panthers, Stormy Daniels, and Brian Sanders, husband of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, President Trump's right-hand woman, and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. Isn't it funny to think about those people driving out impure spirits and healing disease and sickness? Makes me laugh every time I read it. Um, Now, what's Jesus doing? First off, is that divisive? That's a... No! That is a, a... Listen, that's an uncomfortable group of people. Am I right? Do you want to hang out with that group of people? No. I do not want to hang out with that group of people. There's way too many voices and way too many ideologies and way too many people who are swindlers or whatever else we we might want to call them. But what is Jesus doing? And remember the Greek word for Jesus' crew was posse. What's Jesus doing with his posse? With his posse, he's saying, if you really want to look at what I want when God gets what God wants, when God gets God's kingdom, what I really, really want is I want unity amongst division. What I really want, and I'm showing you by my posse, is I want you to understand that God's kingdom, when peace looks like peace, looks like unity. And here's this ridiculous group of people all working together that can prove that to you. Okay? And then he says to them, I want you to drive out the impure spirits. He says to them, I want you to heal the sick. Now, I always leave you all with something to do at the end of every message, right? That's what I'm going to leave you to do today. I want you all to go out and drive out in pure spirits. Okay? <laughs> that bombed in first service, too. Um, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, what is Jesus saying here? What's Jesus saying? Uh, my friend Colby Martin, he writes it out. He writes it out in modern-day context. Well, so again, let's read this in modern-day context to help us get an understanding of what, um, of what Jesus is asking his posse to do here, Okay? He says, go to places and spaces and communities that predominantly reflect the status quo to those who uphold the current power structure to the privileged and the powerful, go to the places that are more conservatively religious and or political, and then as you travel and engage with more conservatively minded people, tell them that all people are loved children of God, deserving of dignity and honor, and deserving of living life of peace and wholeness. Remember that there is no such thing as us and them, that we are all connected, that heaven is breaking into the earth in moments where people recognize their own belovedness as the belovedness of others, and as you go, meet the basic, basic needs of humanity, Food, clean water, shelter. Call people to wake up and live fully alive and prioritize those in the margins who have been outcast, ignored, and maligned by society. Especially care for those who have been d- discriminated against and trapped in oppressive systems and go to those tormented by mental unhealth and bring them healing and peace. Now here's the deal, that sounds palatable. And I guess it's not palatable because we're giving a bunch up to do those things and we should be, but that sounds more like today's times, right? Sounds like what the kingdom calls us to do. And here is what Jesus says. And this is the thing. And this is the important thing. Jesus tells the disciples to do this. And then he says, and people will not like it. That's what he says. And people aren't going to like it. And this is so important, I want to read it to you. If we're truly doing kingdom work, and if we're truly challenging oppressive systems and empowering the marginalized and pushing back on more traditional paradigms, we should be prepared for resistance. That is what Jesus is telling us right now. That's what Jesus is saying. And then for the rest of chapter 10, if you read it and I think you should all go home and read it, Jesus tells the disciples, the, the posse, he says this is what you could prepare for. When you do these things, prepare to have your uh, be, be called names. But prepare to be harassed, prepare to lose your family, prepare to lose your friends, prepare to be hated, prepare to be beaten, prepare to be arrested, prepare to be persecuted. That's what he says is going to happen. Jesus says, in essence, I know that our biology is such, our evol- we've evolved in such a way that we're creating enemies where there are none. And I know that when my kingdom comes and I call for the peace of my kingdom, that people are going to dig in their heels and say that we are the enemy. I know that. And so get ready for the fact that it's going to feel a whole lot like a sword. And it's going to feel like division rather than the peace that I have come to bring. That is what Jesus is saying. And that is what Jesus is telling us today. N. T. Wright says it this way. He says, Jesus didn't want to bring division within households for the sake of it. But he knew that if people followed his way, division was bound to follow. Does Jesus want to bring people together? Yes. Jesus also knows that we've been evolving in such a way that we want to create enemies. Does Jesus want peace? Yes. But he also knows before peace comes disruption and disorientation and the reorientation of our brain chemistry to get that peace. And that hurts. Jesus wants to see the kingdom come to be unified in the way it is with his posse, with his disciples, but he knows that pain comes before it. That's what Jesus is telling us here. And that's what Jesus is telling all of us today. Because guess what? Not only is Jesus sending the the disciples out, we're being sent out too. So what happens? What happens with these disciples? What happens with these people? They're wearing their maga hats and other people are like we're going to kill, you know, somebody else and other people are like well I'm part anyway. It's a mess, right? And they have a choice to make. The choice is do they follow this command? And we know that they do. And because we know that they do, what happens? Well, they become the first pastors, they become the first pr- they become the first preachers, they become the first evangelists, the first church planters. They become the first Missionaries And what they do is they start to bring little pockets of peace throughout the kingdom. Little pockets of peace start to have a unity, starts to cre- be created where there is no unity. It becomes amazing to the point where 2,000 years later we are here today and it's our turn to continue what they started. That's the truth. How do they do it? Well, their families disown them, just like Jesus said. So what do they do? They say, well, we're going to love you anyway, family. And the Roman Empire persecutes them, just like Jesus said. And they say, okay, well, the peace Jesus is trying to bring is way greater than any empire. And then the religious people are like, you're on a slippery slope, you're going to hell. And they say, okay, we're going to pray for you. That's what they say, because they're better. (laughs) And then they look at the Jussie Smollett's, and they say, yeah, you made a mistake. That was a pretty brutal mistake. And you're still loved by God and made perfectly in God's image. And then they went to the Kim Davises, and they said, You know what? Yeah, your bigotry is painful and I'm going to fight against your bigotry, but you're still loved by God and you're made in God's image. And that's how they change the world. Forefront, we get to change the world. We get to change biology. We get to change brain chemistry. We get to bring the peace that God intends. We get to be the next group of disciples that, uh, that are uncomfortable and don't necessarily even want to be together, but get to change history. We get to do that. And I'm terrified. Are you? How do we do it? I don't know. Let's think about that a little bit. Because the truth is, we have to give something up. And oh my gosh, this has been Epiphany. It's the time when the light has come. And I was going through Epiphany. I was like, I have asked this church to do a ton. I've asked you to do a ton. I've asked you to give. You can do that. I've asked you to volunteer. You can do that too. I've asked you to face your fears and trust that faith actually matters and works. I've asked you to to say, bye to failure, and to know that there's a God who loves you anyway. Last week, if you were here last week, Alicia gets up here and she's like, create space for your religious trauma. Oh, man. I'm still trying to work through that one. And now what I'm asking us to do is I'm asking us to bring the kingdom of God to change biology in such a way where we will meet resistance, where people will dig in their heels, where people will push back That's painful, but it makes all the difference. Think about Jesus, right? He's got this press conference thing going on, and there's a bunch of religious people there. And one of the religious people says, Jesus, what's the greatest law? That's what the religious person says. And there were 613 laws, in case you didn't know. And so Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And everybody goes, we know that already, Jesus. It's in the book of Leviticus, thanks. And then Jesus goes, and love your neighbor as yourself, which can also be translated to love your enemy as yourself. And everybody wants to kill him. And they do. Because this message is so powerful and so divisive that sometimes it feels like it's bringing a sword. And Jesus dies. But in Jesus' resurrection, we get Unity. And in Jesus' resurrection, we get peace. And in Jesus' resurrection, we get the good news. And the good news is what I say every single time, that we were never separate from God, that we've always been loved by God, that we are always made perfectly in God's image. And that's the good news, and we can be thankful, and we should tell other people the same thing. Just get ready for them to dig in their heels. So let's do it. How are we going to do it today? Ready for this? Let's pray for our enemies. Let's pray for our enemies today. Some of y'all come up to me and you say to me, um, Hey, I've been following Jesus, and my parents don't follow Jesus in the same way. Or my parents don't agree with, with the way I'm living my life, whatever that means, I don't know. And I, and I know there's friction in my family, and, and the time I spend with my family is not what it used to be, and I get that. And not that our family is our enemy, but there's great stress and anxiety there. Maybe that's what we pray for today. I have friends who I love, guys I've known since I was 10 brothers, right? And we don't agree on this. And it's, there's friction there. We don't hang out as much as we used to. And I want them to change their minds. I want them to see things differently. Maybe I pray for them today. Maybe if it's big. Maybe there's an ideology, a really big one. You feel a division. You feel political division. In fact, we might even talk a little bit and pray a little bit about politics. Well, that's uncomfortable. But maybe that's what we pray for today. Perhaps your enemy is Addiction. And today you got to pray. All right, addiction, you've had me. You've had me, but I'm bringing peace. What is your enemy? And how can we pray for that today? That's what we're going to do. That's how, it's gonna, that's how the kingdom of God's going to come. So close your eyes, please. If you want to, that sounded really forceful. If you'd like to close your eyes, please feel free to close your eyes. And I just want to read this to you. And to me, it's been a word all week, like a word from God all week. When we're ridiculed, when we're rejected, when we're insulted, when we're shamed, when we're told we've lost our way, when we're accused of betraying our family, take heart because it means we're doing something right. And so let's pray for the courage to keep speaking up and to keep living out the call to justice. Let's pray that we keep integrating our outer world with our inner peace. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a few seconds right now and I want you to pray for that enemy. Pray that that brain chemistry has changed, biology changes, and that we bring the kingdom of God through prayer.
1: and merciful God we come to you now with humble hearts Lord we thank you for the grace you've shown us and we come to you now asking for you to heal our land God it's overwhelming when we see how divided we are so we turn to you and place it all at your feet We pray for Donald Trump. Lord, soften his heart, convict his spirit, change his mind, and lead him to make decisions that will bring about the peace that you intend. Chasten our leaders in the Senate and House. Give them the courage to pass laws that will protect the oppressed, disadvantaged, and marginalized. Move our leadership and all the people of our nation towards love, your agape love, the kind that can heal all and harm none. This we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
2: Most merciful God, I come to you in prayer to ask for your intercession as we continue, as my family continues to work with the facility that oversaw my mother's care over her final days. And as we enter these conversations, I ask for you to touch the hearts and the minds of the staff in the facility for transparency, for truth, that through these conversations, evolution is found for the good of all that enter their doors in the future. And I also pray that you touch my family's heart and my heart that as we continue to have these conversations that we approach this not taking up the sword to punish and persecute, but for the good of all, for the truth and the embetterment and care for everyone that enters those doors. For that we know that with you, through you, and in you, all things are possible
0: And God, I pray for all of our enemies, spoken and unspoken today. People that make us feel uncomfortable, the ideologies that don't quite work for us, the enemies we create where there are none. And I pray for unity that looks like your posse. I pray that we'll have the courage to give something up in order to get that. I pray this all in your name. Amen.